Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, let's turn back to where we were last week in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Now, we looked at four, what I would call, principles of serving God. It's a, an amazing thing that more people don't really serve God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you really discover the true benefits of really serving God the way He says you're supposed to serve Him, there's really no better or greater lifestyle. It is the greatest lifestyle anybody can live on this planet. And people do serve God in such a way and live in places that are desperate, places that are impoverished, places in which there's all kinds of situations and issues. And You know, it's amazing uh, uh, that, that people do that and find a home in that and find a place in which their faith works. Now, you have to understand this, and we've taught on this when we taught on faith, and, and we're going to kind of... You know, as we do this on Wednesday night in the next few months, we're going to kind of try to reiterate it more and more. And, and that is, for every one of you, for everyone in here, there is a plan that God has for your life. Now, let me say this. If you're a single person, that plan can include your husband or your wife that you're believing God for. And all the single people said? Amen. Well, that's true. I mean, it can. I believe God uh, for Leah. Leah is the uh, wife that God wanted me to have. I hope I'm the husband that God wanted her to have. Amen. But anyway, she was an answer to prayer. God has the right church for you to go to. Amen. He does. He's got the right church for you to go to. He's got the right thing for you to do in that church. He's got the right assignment for you that'll fit you and that'll work for you. Not only that, in your, in your serving God, in your in your life of serving God, He's got all the places that, 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 that He knows you're going to be living, cars you're going to be driving, places you're going to be going, trips you're going to be going on. He's got it all planned and mapped out. Now, the, 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 the conflict and the friction comes from deviating off of that path, from getting off of that path. And when you get off of that path in any way or any manner, then all of a sudden, all of the frustration begins and starts in your life. And you're like, oh, you know, like Brother Hagen used to say, I feel like you're washing your feet with your socks on. Now, in that life or lifestyle, there are four things. We studied it last Wednesday night. That you have to interact with, with God, and I'll show you tonight what it produces in your life in order to be successful in this endeavor. Listen. God wants you successful in your endeavor in serving Him. Let me say that again. God wants you successful in your endeavor in serving Him. Now, I'm going to tell you this by the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody needs to hear this. God will never postpone your success. Now, let me say that again. God will never postpone your success. And if, you're, if you feel like my success in serving God has not been happening for me, then there's some things you're going to have to consider, and I'm going to share some of those things tonight. You know, God spoke to me very, very clearly, very strongly 
in the, in the uh, early, uh, uh, early summer, late spring, early summer of 1985. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, I want you to leave your church, your church, your pastor, which was a great church with, one, with, with a guy that I thought was probably one of the greatest pastors of that day in this, that era and that generation, Brother John Osteen. Do you think that was easy? Now, one of the things God spoke to me in dealing with my heart in about a four-week period in which I really fought that, this is what he said to me. He says, I have nothing for you there. Now, did you hear what I just said? He said, I have nothing for you there. Now, that didn't mean Brother Osteen wouldn't have had something for me. That didn't mean the Bible school wouldn't have had something for me. I'm sure I could have taught in the Bible school. That doesn't mean that there's anything else. God said, I have nothing for you there. But when I finally made the decision to obey God and go join a little church with 30 people in it, God spoke to me and said, I have something for you here. And I was like, what in the world? I don't want the, the building was a funeral home. I looked around at the people. There ain't nobody I want around here. What in the world could God have for me here? Well, the first thing was Leah. That's where Leah was. Leah wasn't at Lakewood. Leah was at the funeral home. That sounds like a good country western song, doesn't it? I found my wife. I found my wife at the funeral home. No, no, okay. Maybe we'll get Roland to write that one. Amen. But not only that, listen, when I, when I begin to attend the church, I remember going and, and meeting, meeting with the pastor and saying to him, look, you know, I just want to help you. I don't, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do nothing. Just if you need me, here's my number. And then he'd, he'd call me. And I did everything from, uh, they had me in the nursery one night. I remember one night working in the nursery. I'm not kidding you. One time, then they didn't have me after that. But I did. I worked in the nursery one time. That's all it took. They figured out we don't want Rusty in the nursery. <laughs> I never asked for a meeting. I never asked for a dime. I never asked for anything. But God literally launched our meeting as that church grew. We learned about church growth and development. We learned about character. We learned about... And God had a whole lot for me there. And then the time came when God said, I want you to leave all that you've gotten in that place, and I want you to go, and now I want you to start a church. And I'm like, why? And the Lord said, because I have no more. I don't have anything else for you here. Amen? So you've got to understand there are times when God will take you places so that He can maximize His potential in causing your faith to operate by these four principles that we looked at last week. Now, here they are. Remember what they are. Number one, meditation upon the Word. Now, why would you want to put so much meditation into the Word of God where you read the Word, you study the Word, you have the Word taught to you, you meditate upon the Word, but you're not in a place where the Word's going to work for you, where God can do anything for you? You're wasting your time. You may, you may memorize a few scriptures. You may get some insight into the Word of God, but it's not going to be that beneficial to you because that's not where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Everybody say meditate. And then secondly, out of meditation comes what? Out of meditation comes practicing or being a doer of the Word. Everybody say doer of the Word. And when you're a doer of the Word, you're taking what you've been meditating on and you're putting it into practice. What's it say over there in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8? It says, This word of the law or the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. Now, if God's got a place of obedience for you and he's got a purpose for your obedience and he's got provision because of your obedience, he's also got you a pla- got a place for you to be obedient. Amen. It's, it's like trying to, you know, go over, say you're an athlete and you, you're a baseball player and you go over and you're trying to play baseball on a football team. That doesn't work. That's not what they're playing over there. You've got to go where they're playing something. Amen. Playing what you're, spo- well, what you're supposed to be playing, if that makes any sense at all. We meditate, we practice, then we put the word first. Everybody say, put the word first. And you start putting the word first in your family, in your finances, in your life. You know, this is the Wednesday night crowd, so you're obviously doing everything you can do to meditate upon the word, to practice the word, to put the word first. Then out of meditating on the word, out of practicing the word, out of putting on the word first, then you get to the place where you can hear the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, you learn to instantly obey it. And that's where the blessing comes. That's where the financial increase comes. That's where the healing of your body comes. That's where all the good things that God wants to do in your life, that's where it comes into manifestation. Amen? Now, if you will, go over to the book of 1 John. We'll take this in a little bit different direction, but you'll, you'll get... I'm just going to start with chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, this is John writing. Now, let me just say this real quick. We had 12 disciples. One of them made a havoc of his life, a wreck of his life, committed suicide, sold out Jesus. We know the story. And then another one was was elected by the 11, and he became one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Amen. And you know, the requirement was one that had been with us from the beginning, one that had heard the words, one that had seen all, the, all of the things the other apostles had been a part of. They only, had, they only found two other guys that were qualified, and he's the one that the quote lot fell upon. That's how they did it under the old covenant. Amen. So people say, well, he's not really one of the 12 apostles. Yes, he is. I beg to differ. He is one of the 12 apostles of the, who was it, Matthias? Matthias. So out of those, we only really have John and Peter that wrote anything that we consider part of the Bible. Amen. Now, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, Matthew and Mark and, and, and Luke, and of course there's John again. Uh, you know, the Gospels written by Matthew and Mark and Luke. We'll, we'll pull John out of the mix for a minute because he's got some letters to the church. Those Gospels that were written were basically just the accounts of what they had written. Uh, excuse me, of witness. They actually documented under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then when it comes to the information relevant to who the church is, which are the letters to the church, everybody say the church, there was only two. Only Peter and John wrote letters to the church, and all of the other letters were written by somebody who wasn't even there. They weren't even there. Paul was never there. He, was, he wasn't at the cross that we know of. I mean, he might have been there in observation, but, or maybe even in participation, because he didn't like the church. He didn't like that way. But he wasn't there at all the times when he did miracles, when he taught, when he fed the 5,000, when he calmed the sea, when he, when he did all of those wonderful things. Paul was nowhere around. He wasn't even serving God. He could care less about it. He was, he was a Pharisee sitting under the ministry of Gamal. Amen? Then God chose him to write the major weight of the revelation 
that is the standard or should be the standard for the true New Testament church. Amen. So I don't know. I can't speak for all those other guys. I trust they all went out, had great ministries. I trust they all flowed in the Holy Ghost and did what God uh, 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 told them to do. But only, only two of them actually wrote letters to the church. Now, John is one. Now, listen to how he writes. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, so he was there from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. And what does he call Jesus? Does he call him a miracle worker? Does he call him a healer? Uh, he calls him what? The word of life. He understood that because the gospel that he wrote began with, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He had this revelation of the word and Jesus being the same thing. He's the word made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Amen. Verse 2 says, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness, and we show it unto you that, e that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, he also called Jesus eternal life, eternal existence before incarnation, eternal existence incarnation, uh, eternal existence after resurrection. He is the was, is, and forever will be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got that? So this guy's, this guy's, this guy knows Jesus. Everybody say he knows Jesus. Now notice verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now notice this. That you may have fellowship with us. Everybody say fellowship. That you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus. Now, he's trying to establish a foundation for communication. Are you with me? Everybody say, a foundation for communication. He's trying to say, now listen, listen. I was there. And I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I was there when he got up and rebuked the sea. I was in that boat. I watched... I watched Lazarus come out of the tomb. Not only that, I was there when Jesus walked through the wall. Saw him risen from the dead. I heard his words. I saw his character. I was in his presence. Now listen, out of my experience, I had fellowship with him. And through him, I have fellowship with the Father. Now he's saying this. I want you to have fellowship with me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to have fellowship with me because that which I've gained through handling the word of life in this letter that I'm writing you is going to be very beneficial to your meditation. Amen. You putting the word first. You practicing the word, putting the word first, and to you hearing the voice of the Spirit of God and obeying it. Because we've done that, and that's why we are where we are, we are who we are, and we're doing what we're doing. We are in the plan of God doing this. And our fellowship is with the Father through His Son, Jesus. Now, we must understand that the four, what I like to call the four points of, of God handling His creation have always been the same. He communicates and someone responds. That's how you got saved. 
There was a communication that took place. Maybe it was a, a preacher from a pulpit uh, at a church you attended. Maybe it was somebody on a television or radio program. Maybe it was a one-on-one -on -one encounter with somebody uh, that loved you and wanted to witness with you. But you had communication that just wasn't from that preacher, that friend, that individual. It was from God. God was saying to you, you must be born again. And here's the faith that you need to get born again. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. And you didn't have, you didn't have, you didn't have all the explanation your intellect required for that. But faith was so strong when it came to your heart, it had the ability to override your intellect. And you made not an intellectual decision, you made a spiritual decision. Amen. Amen. Now the rest of your life in Christ on the planet must be regulated by spiritual decisions. Because it's when you quit making spiritual decisions and start making intellectual decisions, you get yourself in trouble. Amen. When, I'm at, when I made a decision to leave Lakewood and go to Abundant Life, that was not an intellectual decision. That was a spiritual decision. When Leah and I were called to come to Galveston and start Island Church, listen, we had all kinds of we had all kinds of resistance from one side, but on another side, we have all we had all kinds of confirmation. I can tell you story after story after story, and many times after a confirmation would take place, I'd say, "Oh no, this is really real." I mean, I'd look at Liz and say, "What are we going to do? This is God is calling us to do this. What are we going to do?" We can laugh now. We weren't laughing then. But God will always bring it full circle into your life. There's always a confirmation. Don't do things major in life when you've heard spiritually from God unless there is a confirmation. God gave us confirmation after confirmation. We still wavered. We were like, mm, I don't know. We're talking about going to moving to Hawaii. We had, we had experienced 10 years of revival there. We could have gone in there and started a church, moving to Ireland. We'd experienced years of revival there. But God said, kept saying, no, it's Galveston. No, it's Galveston. And somebody that knew nothing about what we were going through, nothing about what we were doing, Pastor Dodie Osteen, at a meeting we were at, I was at, I don't think you were there. You were big and pregnant with Breland at the time. I was there dedicating a church. Up in Houston. I was a speaker. She was a speaker. Another evangelist was a speaker. And she got up to speak. And there's 2,500 people sitting there. And I'm sitting on the platform. And she just turned around and pointed at me. She said, this, I'll never forget what she said or how she said. She said, Rusty, you're one of my babies. Because she's a big mama. Anybody that knows her knows she's a mama. You're one of my babies. Now you get down there to Galveston. And you do what God's telling you to do. I'll never forget how she said. Because John and Jesus are watching you. Brother Osteen had gone to heaven about four months before. And what she meant was, John Osteen and Jesus are watching you right now. you got to go down there and obey God. I come home and told Leah that. And she said, that's it. We're done. <laughs> we're done. How do you say no? to people who want you to come preach revivals? How do you say no and tell people we're not traveling anymore? How do you do that when you've been doing that for 18 years? It's not easy. You have to have a grace to do it. But because we had fellowship with the Father, that's where most people miss it, is when your fellowship with the Father gets broken, all the other fellowship that God wants to put together in your life gets thwarted. You get misdirected. You get misinformation. 
things that are said to you, you do not hear them in the right way. You have no comprehension. Your spiritual senses become very dull, and you many times end up in a place of disobedience, guarding yourself in a place of, of disobedience as a victim. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You know what I can't do, what I can't do. I mean, it's just, it's a horrible place to be. Now, notice this. That we which have seen and heard declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. This is verse uh, 3. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Now notice, notice. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness of all at all. And if we say we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Now, he's not speaking to sinners. Amen. First of all, you've got to understand, what is sin? The Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. That means any area of your life where you're not actively using your faith, that God counts that as sin or unbelief. Now, the Bible says you've got to see the, if I can, if I can by the Spirit of God, pull this together for you. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship is not when you go to somebody's house and have chili dogs. See, that's what a lot of people think. You know, we're just going to go over to somebody's house and fellowship. No, you're not. You're taking a term out of the Bible that you don't know anything about. That's just visitation. That's just hospitality. That's all that is. And the problem is, if you get people that are right with God and fellowshipping with God the right way, when they get together to have chili dogs, you really don't have any problems. Usually blessing comes out of that. But if you get people that are not in fellowship correctly with God, they're out of their place, they're offended, they're mad, and you get together with them and quote fellowship, then all of that gets poured out on everybody else. Because out of the word fellowship comes the word communion, which literally means to pour into. So whenever you're with people and they start chewing everybody up and chewing up the church and chewing up preachers and chewing up this and chewing up that and chewing up how the, and talking about how they and all this kind of stuff, you're being poured into negatively and it's going to hurt your fellowship. You say your fellowship with who? Well, you, first of all, your fellowship with God because we're all called to walk in love. Secondly, your fellowship with ministry that has gone places you've not gone, done things you have not done, prayed things you have not prayed, received things you have not received, and God has put them out in the forefront of you so that you can follow them as they follow Christ. Amen. Did you get that? That's why I made the decision long ago, I'm not going to follow some poor old broke down preacher. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow somebody who's going to, you know, every wind of doctrine that comes through, they go this way, they go that way. I'm going to follow people who are steady, who have been doing it for a long time, that have a track record, people that I can follow as they follow Christ, and I'm going to learn to fellowship with the Father, keep my fellowship strong, fellowship with them. Amen. Because your fellowship should always be upward. You say, what do you mean? You ought to attempt to fellowship with those above you. 
That's why a lot of people get mad when pastors and evangelists and, and missionaries and people like that don't fellowship with them, don't come down and fellowship with them. But they say, well, you know, they're stuck up or, they're, or they don't want to fellowship. They wanna, but you've you got to understand, you've got to connect up in your life. Because whatever you connect to, that's the direction you're going to get pulled. A lot of people don't like to hear that. We ought to love everybody. We do love everybody. My goodness, the church is set up to love everybody, to help everybody. We've exhausted ourselves many times in helping and blessing and paying for people's groceries and rent and all kinds of stuff in benevolence and love and trying to help people, pick people up. But in the meantime, there are people that literally come to places like this. They shouldn't be here. This ain't their place. And they get offended. And they get mad. And their fellowship gets broken. And they try to stay connected with God, connected with God, pulling down His blessings. But it's, it's always a, a, an effort that does not work. Let me give you an example. Two men came into my office within the last six months, both of them leaving the church. One of them, I mean, just blistered me, which I'm never going to let that happen again. The second one come in and came in and said this. He said, you know, I love you so much. He said, I've sat under your ministry. For six years. He said, I left my church offended. That's what he said. He said, I left my church offended at the pastor, mad at something to happen, and literally came here thinking I can do what I want to, when I want to do it, however I want to do to serve God the way I want to, it'll work. This is what he said. He said, I sat here miserable for six years. He said, but your teaching shined the light on me. And now I have gone back to my pastor and I have repented to them and I'm back in my church. And he had tears coming down his face. And I stood up and I put my arms around him and I said, welcome home, buddy. Doesn't it feel good to be home? He said, it sure does. There was nothing for him here. He tried this, he tried that, they tried this, they tried that. Nothing ever worked. All he was was mad and offended at somebody else and just left his church. And out of his church, he was not in a place where his meditation, where his obedience to the Word, where his putting the Word first and hearing from the Holy Ghost was working for him. Amen. And this is what he made a statement. It was, I don't know if this is word for word, but this is what he said. It wasn't easy to go back. I had to humble myself. I had to ask for forgiveness. But he said, the moment I did, the peace of God came on me. Now you've got to understand, church. Fellowship in the body of Christ is the glue that holds the body together. Because churches are families. Amen? And sometimes families are inconvenient. Lee and I, when we first got married, the Megason family all lived in southern Louisiana. Well, she had moved over here back in the late 70s, early 80s. 
And had lived over here ever since, made her living here, made her home here, and then we were married, made our home here. But every chance we got, we drove back to Abbeville. And it wasn't convenient. There were times when I'd come off the road or I'd, I'd just get back home from, from a trip overseas or I'd get back, you know, uh, from, from a meeting or something and I could have used a few days R&R. Amen? But now I had to get, you know, we had to load them. I remember one time we took, what, 14 puppies with us at Christmas time. We had an old Labrador and had 14 puppies. And we had to load all those puppies up in a car and we had to take them all to Momo's house and we had to put them out in the laundry room and watch them every day and clean up that mess and do all that kind of stuff. But we had to go back to the family. Are you with me? And we had to fellowship with the family. You say, why? Because I married into that family family and I could not count it as an inconvenience it was now part of my life God showed me that when I went to Bible school up at Lakewood I had to drive 55 miles one way that's 110 miles a day every day it was not convenient but for about a year and a half period of time that was my family and I inconvenienced myself and I went to the school, and I worked in the ministry, and I never asked them, what do you want me to do? I found something to do, and I did it. And I had grace for it. And God began to open doors of ministry, and blessings began to come. And then God said, it's time for another step. It's time to grow up a little bit. It's time for some more inconvenience in your life. I'm sending you to another family. Now you're part of this family that meets in a funeral home. And I'm thinking, my God, how come... It looks like every time God does something in my life, it looks like i got to step down to get it done. That's exactly how God works. What do you think happened to Jesus? Philippians chapter 2. He had to come down out of heaven. He had to come down to earth. He had to come down and get into the body of a, of a human being. He had to live on a fallen earth. He had to do all that kind of stuff. He had to wait till he was 30 to even get anointed by the Holy Ghost so he could do signs, wonders, and miracles. I bet that was a fun 30 years. Then the devil figured out who he was. Then the religion figured out who he was. And I'm telling you, it got really inconvenient to the point he became obedient even to the death of the cross. The Bible says, wherefore God has highly exalted. So every time that God promotes you in the kingdom, many times it looks like a step back or a step down. And you're thinking, what am I doing? Have I lost my mind? Am I crazy? And it's just God trying to get you into a position where those four things in life are going to work for you. Your meditation, amen. You, your, your obedience to the word. You're your putting the word first and hearing the Holy Ghost. That fellowship connection with the Father is now working for you because you're fellowshipping in all these other areas. Now notice what it says again. This is interesting. It says if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship, what? One with another. One with another. I'm supposed to be here as pastor. You're supposed to be here as a member of Island Church. You're supposed to be here doing what God's called you to do. I'm supposed to be here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That way, we come together. Our faith works together. And not only that, any sin that tries to rise up, the Bible says the blood of Jesus keeps us in a place of cleansing so that we don't get out of faith and into unbelief. Come on, to look, to look on the surface of who we are and what we're doing, we're pr probably at the point of being certifiable right now. You know what I mean by that? 
Just, just, just those people. Go, go get the, go get the truck and the rubber and the rubber room ready. Get the straight jackets ready. Look, these people lucked out a few years ago and bought a piece of land. Now, for over three years, they've been talking about building a million dollar building. I mean, you go to their services, they act like they've got the money. They act just like they got five million. They thank God for the building ever served. They glorify God. They got plans drawn. They got, don't they know, don't they know that's never going to happen? They've lost their mind. But no, no, no. We still stay in faith. Grace is still on the top of us. So, so, so sins of unbelief, don't, they don't get in. They don't, they don't encroach into our life. The blood of Jesus keeps us clean from all sin and unrighteousness. And grace helps us maintain our faith no matter how long it takes. That's where Saturday night prayer came out of. We just thought we'd get together and start worshiping God. And five or ten people would come. Now 10, 20 people come. Now about 30 people are coming. And we're walking around praying to the Holy Ghost, thanking God for our building, worshiping God. That's, that's fellowship right there. It's more than eating a chili dog. That's what it is. And in the midst of it, what comes out of it? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from unbelief or sin and produces in us holiness. And the Bible says without holiness, no man or woman will see God. You say, how, how does that work? I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up and miss that building and what's going to go on in it. I don't want to mess up and see all these wonderful missionaries uh, uh, be blessed of the Lord in the years to come. I don't want to mess up and not be at Fall Harvest and not be at Freedom Crusade and not be at Fire for the Nations and not go to Ireland and not go to the Philippines and not go to other places and do other things. I don't want to miss that. That's on my schedule of righteousness. That's on my path of righteousness for His name's sake. Amen? A lot of people don't realize that. So you've got to fight to stay where God plants you, and you've got to fight to stay there the right way. You've got to be at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. When you're in that, then you're in fellowship. You're in fellowship one with another. You're in fellowship with your pastor. You're in fellowship with the people that wrote this book. I was thinking about this the other day. How Satan must have fought putting something like this together. Because it wasn't really until the 1600s. So Jesus had risen from the dead. And so, uh, what, 1,600 years later, what was it, 1647? 1611, when all this began, all this began, and out of it came this book called the Bible. And if you go back, this is an amazing phenomenon. If you go back and study what happened in the world. You say, what in the world? There wasn't nothing but people going around living in darkness. There were plagues. There was disease. There were horrible wars. There was no technology whatsoever until somebody took, put the word together, and the light came on. What do they call the period of time before that? Does anybody know? The Dark Ages. Why was it called the Dark Ages? There was no light, and because there was no light, there was no fellowship. There was no fellowship. But when the light came on, fellowship got restored. The Father 
through his son Jesus Christ. And when that fellowship got restored, what happened? Invention after invention. Yeah, I know some of them were negative. Some of them were bad. Some of them were used evil. But I'm telling you today, society has advanced more in that, what, four to five hundred years than it advanced in its entire existence before that. Where did that come from? From the light. It came from God. That's why we have electric lights. That's why we have air conditioning. That's why we drive these cars out there. That's why we do all of these things and enjoy our, We just take it all for granted that it just kind of showed up here because somebody was smart. That's not how it happened. The light came on. And when men and women begin to get enlightened, God began to impart information. And information, what did it do? It began to ease suffering. It began to find uh, 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 inventions to cause people to be able to live better, to live longer. You know, uh, uh, I listened to a guy the other day. The guy was a real, uh, what would I, how could I describe him? He was a doctor, MD. And he was, he was talking about different uh, vaccines. He's a guy that goes to these nations and works on these vaccines for people in these third world countries. And what he said was this. He said, we have had some amazing results with these vaccines that we've produced. But he said, the best results we, we've had have nothing to do with our vaccines. He says, our best results have come from us just cleaning the place up. Clean water. Sanitation. Correct disposal of waste. He says, we'd go into areas, he said, we literally did blind studies where we would go into areas and give placebos and go into other areas and give vaccines. And in the area we gave placebos, we clean everything up. And the ones we just gave vaccines, we wouldn't do nothing and leave it like it was. He said, literally, we had better results over here than we had over there because we just cleaned everything up. The light. Everybody say the light. God wants to turn the light on in your life. And that light is dependent upon your fellowship with God. You fellowship with God through the Word correctly. What do you do? You submit yourself therefore unto God. Then He empowers you and you can resist darkness. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Isn't that what the Word says? That's how to get rid of depression. That's how to get rid of addictions. That's how to get rid of all the gunk that tries to get into your life. You submit yourself therefore to God. Well, if you submit yourself to God, you've got to submit yourself to His Word to His precepts and principles, and to His authority. Amen. And where is His authority? He puts it in the earth. You, listen, you can't, you can't buck civil authority. You say, what do you mean by that? If you go out and start breaking all the civil laws we have, they'll put you in prison. They'll take your freedom away. You can't go against the grain of spiritual authority. You say, why? Because that breaks your fellowship with God. You're no more submitting unto Him you're being rebellious against spiritual authority. I found this out about spiritual authority. Very incredible phenomenon. You can have a pastor, an evangelist, head of a missionary association. Uh, excuse me, head of an evangelistic association. A missionary, head of a missions outreach or a, a, a working in a country. And you can work with somebody like that. And you can have a better idea and a better way of doing something and try to implement it and it will not work. And you think to yourself, why didn't that work? And then the person that has the authority in that can come to you and say, now do it this way. And it could be totally asinine. You can think, how in the world that will never work? And you go over and implement it and it works just like that. 
You know why that is? Because God is God. And He always does things in such a way that you know it's God at the end. Because they have a grace upon them. They have an anointing upon them. And when God speaks to them. So, you know, in working with men like that over 34 years of ministry, I figured out things. You say, how did you figure it out? Number one, I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray to hear the voice of God. Number two, I learned if I was submitted to somebody in ministry and I counted them over me, I realized that when they spoke into my life, it wasn't just them rendering an opinion unto me. It was God speaking to me, trying to adjust some point of character in my life so that my fellowship with that individual would be stronger. And in strengthening that fellowship, I strengthened this fellowship. Amen. Amen. And in doing that, you say, what do you mean? I've had, listen, Dustin knows this. I've had some encounters with Pastor Sam Carr. That, that in reality, I would have never had to have. I would have never had to have those encounters. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I count him as authority in my life. So that means he has permission to speak into my life if he says something awry or wrong or dumb or stupid or something like that. Amen. And he don't beat around the bush. You can ask Dustin. When he calls you on the phone, he says, I, I want to see you in my office. It's kind of like, being called to the principal's office, you're going, oh my God, what have I done now? And the first time he did it, because I knew, I knew him since 1990, knew his reputation, knew, knew his interaction with a lot of people that I knew, and everybody was like, oh my God, if Pastor Sam ever, because you have done something stupid. And Lee and I had, had started to step out to believe God to start Island Church. We'd started a prayer meeting at our home. And I was preaching a revival meeting up in Joaquin, Texas. And the pastor came to me with a note. It was a note in an envelope sealed. I thought, what is this? And I opened it up and it says, Pastor Sam Carr called and wants to know if you can have lunch with him tomorrow. And I thought, oh. I thought, here we go. We'd got all those yeses that this is going to be the big no. you know. So I remember teaching that morning. I didn't even know what I taught. I could have taught on the Three Stooges. I don't know. I got in my car and I drove over to Shreveport and I walked in his office. I sat down and he goes like this. It's about time you obeyed God. And I was like, what? He said, I've been knowing this for 10 years. It's about time you obey God. And then he spoke some things into my life that helped uh, Leah and I to get some direction, some purpose, imparted some insights and ideas. Amen. Took me to lunch. I was so blessed. I thought, oh, my God. And I got home, and he sent me a beautiful painting. I like waterfowl, so he sent me this beautiful waterfowl painting. And from then on, I knew I'm supposed to be submitted to that man. He's the man that speaks in authority into my life. And I'll be submitted to him. And when he speaks in authority, I have fellowship with him. And in my fellowship with him, I get to draw off of his anointing, his wisdom, his years of experience, his interaction with other ministers. And it blesses me, which blesses you. Amen. I, I, I still love, and I'll close with this. I still love. Pastor Paul Chase's illustration. He said it here three or four times. I don't know if you've ever gotten it yet. 
But his, his, his illustration is this. What do you conclude when you see a turtle on top of a fence post? He didn't get there by himself. Did you get that? And then the reproduction of that, which comes out of fellowship, produces, what does that produce? Well, for us, it's produced Island Church Dundalk. Amen. It's produced connections with Pastor Mark Brzee, Pastor Mark Chase, I mean, uh, Paul Chase, excuse me. Uh, the cooks in Nicaragua where Alan and Pat are working. People in Cuba and Panama, David George. I mean, we just go around the wall and just name all these connections that God has made. Th th what do we do with those people? A lot of times, we fellowship. We come together in fellowship. That's what we do. So, here's the thing. Keep your fellowship with the Father. Keep that thing strong. And then pay attention to the other directions of fellowship that God has in your life. Value them. Amen. Fight to stay out of strife. Fight to stay out of conflict. Fight to stay out of all the garbage. that Because what the enemy, listen, what he's doing, I tell you, I could just twist the knob on this just a little and be teaching a marriage conference right now. Because the problem with a lot of marriages is the enemy attacks the fellowship of that marriage. Where a husband and wife don't fellowship any longer. They live together. They get in a bed together. They do all this stuff. But their true fellowship is broken. And when that happens, you're just, on a, you're just on a time clock is what you are. You're on a time clock ticking down till the day division comes into your marriage, which is spelled D-I-V-O-R-C-E. I fellowship with Leah. We fellowshiped before we got married. After we're married, we still fellowship together. You say, what does it mean? How, what are you talking about? Paint us a picture of that fellowship. It's more than just being married. We talk Scripture together. We talk uh, 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 about what God's dealing with us about together. We, we pray together. We, we serve God together. It's not just, you're my wife, you're my husband, let's just go through life together. We are, we are labors together as one with Him. And when you do that, literally, because I've heard, I've heard the blunts teach on this, uh, 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 when you do that, you literally Satan-proof your marriage. Well, thank God for a Satan-proof marriage. You need to Satan-proof your relationship with your church. Because if you can do two, those two things, you will keep your fellowship connected, you'll keep it pure, and you'll continue down the path in which your meditation, your obedience to the Word, you putting the Word first and hearing from the Holy Ghost is going to work every time. And the blessing of God will flow into your life. And just like John said, we handled him. We have evidence we have evidence of us handling the word of life. And God wants out of your life to come evidence of you handling the word of life. Amen? Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that comes with the seed that helps it plant in the good soil of our hearts and spirit. We thank you, Father, for that anointing which causes increase of revelation for we know increase of revelation produces increase of faith. And increase of faith produces increase of obedience. Let our fellowship be sweet. One with another here at Island Church. Let our fellowship be sweet. 
with our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know our fellowship with Him helps us to fellowship with You, Father. And Lord, anyone at any time that comes to Island Church with broken fellowship with You or broken fellowship with their church, help us to heal them and send them back. Just like that that one family got healed here and went back to where they were supposed to be. We thank you for that. And Lord, others that are supposed to be here but have broken their fellowship, heal them and bring them back here and let their fellowship with you be restored, the fellowship with the church be restored, and our fellowship one with another be restored so that their meditation, their obedience to the Word, they're putting the Word first and they're hearing from God will work again for them and they will be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst in helping to bring a spirit of unity and a bond of peace. Thank you for solidifying our consecration to you in Island Church, to that which you purpose to do, that which you plan to do, and that which you are doing. Lord, as as we always do, as is our tradition, we leave tonight claiming our protection and safety. Thanking you, Lord, no evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your people walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you, Father, as we travel in all the different ways we can travel, we're protected. As we all handle the resource of life that you've given us, we're protected from accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men, or even Satan himself, for he is under our feet. Thank you for that door of utterance. We thank you, Father, that each and every one of us are at the place where we can hear the Spirit of God in those intimate times of communication with people when the Holy Ghost gently touches our heart and says, Now, now, now share Jesus. Now talk about His grace. Now talk about His love. And we can be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil, and a miracle in their lives. Lord, we leave tonight. We love you. We thank you. We bless your name. Thank you for all you're doing for us, in us, and through us. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Let our fellowship in the church be strengthened, tightened, solidified by that which is good and gracious in Christ. Lord, we leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.